Good morning. Special welcome to those of you who are watching online today as well. Thank you for joining us. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, just before I get into my message, I have just another uh, thing to remind you. We've been talking about um, kids' ministry and meals and community out outreach during this Christmas holiday. But we also have another special event that happens on what is the longest and darkest day of the year, which is coming up soon, December 21st. And on that day every year, we hold a special service called a Blue Christmas Service. This is a special service for people who've lost a loved one in this calendar year or who are finding grief from previous losses too much to bear. We in the office all year kind of keep track of people that we hear about who've lost loved ones, and then we will send you an invitation. Some of you will be receiving that in the next few days. But we also know that we don't know all the losses that may have happened in the life of our congregation. So this is my invitation to you. If you don't get a letter, but would benefit from coming to a service like that, to please come. It will happen on the 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the worship center. We're also exp expanding the invite this year uh, to those of you who may have lost a child, had a miscarriage, or who are de dealing with issues around infertility. We want to invite you as well. Obviously, we don't know who that all might be. So please consider this your invitation to come and have permission to grieve a loss in your life this year in a safe place. And we will hope to provide some comfort and care to you uh, during that time as well. So thank you for that. I'm wondering this morning, what's the heaviest thing that you have ever had to lift or carry? What's the heaviest thing? Does anybody here have a trophy or a medal of be, for being a weightlifter or any kind of like extreme sports? Anybody? No? None at the 930 either. I'm not sure what that says about us. But um, <laughs> if you go to the gym, I remember going to the gym with a friend of mine sometime and watching a guy lift really heavy weights. And he had this big belt that was kind of wrapped around his torso. And I asked him what it was for. And he said, well, they're lifting something so heavy, their guts might explode. And so they're holding that belt there to hold everything together because what they're carrying is so heavy. Now, some of you have made the mistake of buying a truck. This is a fool's mistake, because now it means that every second weekend, one of your friends is going to ask you to move, right? Some of you have been helping us in this season move people and regret probably ever purchasing a truck. This is why I own a Prius hatchback. No one has ever looked at my car and said, he's somebody that I think could be really helpful when I have a lot of stuff to move from one point to the other. When Jill and I were first married, we lived in a lovely old home in downtown Dartmouth. And uh, the, the house had a stairway that kind of crawled up the back of the building. We were on the third floor, and then there was a tiny apartment just above us, up, up another pile of stairs. And it was a hot summer day, and we were out on our back deck, and the person above us was moving out. And so there was a moving company there helping them lug all of their stuff. And about partway through the day, there was a gentleman, he was carrying a dresser, he brought it from the upstairs apartment and he stopped at our deck level and he just kind of stood there for a second and he looked at me and he said, if you ever move, never call us. <laughs> he was tired of carrying heavy things. What's the heaviest thing that you've carried? I'm guessing that it's not a piano and that it's not weights 
that for some of you, you have carried extremely heavy things, and for many of you, over long periods of time. We call these things a burden. Those circumstances or life situations, those people that we love or relationships with people that just weigh heavy on your mind and on your heart. Your burden might be an emotional burden. As you approach this Christmas season, you're already maybe feeling the weight of it. The whole family is going to be get together in the same place for a whole day, and you just know that never ends well. For some of you, it's because you know in this Christmas season you're going to have to see him or you're going to have to see her, and you spend your whole year avoiding him or avoiding her. Or as we've already talked, for some of you, it's because this Christmas, there's going to be somebody missing around the Christmas table that's passed away. And while the Christmas isn't even here yet, you're already carrying the burden of that even today. For some of you, the burden is someone that you love or care, care about, a child or a parent or a friend. And when you were actually with that person, you become like an FBI agent. You are watching every movement, every response, and every conversation, every facial expression, just watching to try to pick up some little clue or hint, or how is this person really doing? And you micro-analyze everything because you, you're worried about them. And when you're not with them, you think about them, and they're on your mind, they're on your heart. And it's almost as if you have physically picked that person up, put them on your shoulders, and you are carrying them each and every day. That's your burden. For some of you, it might be circumstances, financial, work-related. The fact that in one month or one week or in one day, if everything doesn't go as you have planned, the whole thing could fall apart. If the bill is just a little bit more than you'd budgeted, if gas goes up by two cents, if your kid comes home with four invitations to birthday parties that you need to now buy gifts for and you hadn't planned for that, everything stops working. Maybe it's a situation at work. If you have one more day like we had last day, I don't think I can do this anymore. Your brain is on high alert, planning for every scenario and circumstance. And as you do that, it's as if you are picking up a large bag of sand and carrying it with you through the day. You're carrying heavy things. In this Advent season, we want to talk about the good news and the gifts that God gives to people who are carrying heavy things and peel back some of the nostalgia and the sentimentality that so often surrounds the Christmas story and just look at it as a story that happened in a certain time, in a certain place with real people. That yes, they're Bible characters, and so we read them and we just imagine that their life was easy. I mean, they're in the Bible after all. But to recognize their life was difficult, complicated, messy, and that they carried burdens with them too, for a number of reasons. And yet in the midst of that, God breaks through with good news for all people. And he comes bearing gifts for people who are carrying heavy burdens. I'm going to invite you with you invite you to open the scriptures today to Isaiah chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 21 and read through to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4. Isaiah chapter 8 starting at verse 21 reading through to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4. If you're using the red bible in the seat in front of you it's on page 1072. That's 1072. 
Now, normally when we come to Advent, we read just Isaiah 9. We don't add these end verses in chapter 8. But I want to read them to you because they're depressing. (laughs) But they capture for us the context of the promise that's offered to us in Isaiah chapter 9. Let's read together. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they're famished, they will become enraged And looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. And they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Into a world like this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future... He will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. For the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. This is one of those passages spoken 700 years before the coming of Christ that point to a day when God was going to turn on the lights for people walking in darkness. But this passage is rooted in a time when the people were walking in darkness, where there was difficult and confusing, and complicated, and messy, and people were lost. And as we talk about gifts that God gives us in this Advent season for people that are carrying burdens, one of those gifts is to remember that you and I are living in a time of darkness. What does this mean? It means that we are sinful, we are finite humans who are in desperate need of God. Merry Christmas to you. We live in a world limping from sin. You are sinful, your parents were sinful, your siblings were especially sinful. Every member of our government on either side of the aisle or political persuasion and all institutions that you have ever been a part of were led by sinful people. All of those sins have consequences and you and I live in a world overwhelmed by the consequences, which means life gets hard, it is complicated, And at times it is brutally unfair. There are times as a pastor when I will hear you tell your story and all I can do is say, it just sounds unfair. All that you have gone through and been through. Jesus says it rains on the just and on the unjust. And this is why Jesus comes into our world, a light in the darkness. For people who are wondering, is there any hope for somebody like me who's done what I've done? who's dealing with what I am dealing with. And in this season, we celebrate that we're living between two Advents. The first Advent that we mark at Christmas and another Advent that is coming when Christ comes once and for all, when his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And our hearts long for that day. When Christ will come again a final time and burdens and brokenness and sadness and the heaviness of life will be gone. Not because we have a better government or more technology or everybody has more money, 
but because King Jesus comes and we recognize him as the Prince of Peace, the one that we need to put together the inside of our hearts and souls so that we can live from that peace. There's lots of people that are going to peddle to us solutions for all of our problems, but it starts with recognizing our need of a Savior, that Christ would come, save us from our sins, and set us right on the inside, and then we live from that in that new hope. Not only are we sinful, but we were never created to be self-sufficient. This is one of the other gifts of the Advent season. It reminds us that if you're trying to live independent from anybody else, all on your own, in your own strength, in your own power, you're working against the grain by which you were originally created to live. If you go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and see how God created us, God created us to need help and to walk with him each and every day. This is how we lived in our sinless state, to live in relationship with God and to live with helpers. We were never created to do it on our own and to provide everything for ourselves. And yet that is the message for many of us, the lure of many of us, the temptation of many of us is to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, to figure this out on my own and to do it myself. And burdens, <laughs> burdens will always remind us we can't do that. Burdens are basically those things in our lives that remind us, my money can't fix this problem. My years of education and all of my smarts can't fix this problem. My cleverness, my manipulative ability, my craftiness cannot fix this problem. I've come to the end of all of my tools in my tool belt, and I still have problems that I can't deal with on my own. And that is actually a gift because it reminds us that we are in need of the one who promises to walk with us each and every day. Burdens are humbling agents and remind us that we are humans with limits and not God. One of my favorite authors is a gentleman by the name of Steve Cuss. And he writes about the five false needs of humans. I'm going to inflict these on you this morning. My apologies in advance. Um, These are the five false needs that he says most humans oftentimes struggle with. The first is the false need of being in control. The need to be in control of everyone and everything and every moment. You know who you are. I'm one a bit myself. And the phrase control freak does seem a little bit harsh, but most oftentimes the label fits. The next false need is the need for perfection. And there is no season that pushes the buttons on this need like Christmas, right? The need to have everything perfect. The perfect house, the perfect clothing, the perfect plan, the perfect agenda, the perfect spouse, the perfect kids. And then the bonus of laying that burden on everybody else around you that they need to be perfect too. Third, the false need of having all the answers. You cannot have all the answers to every circumstance and every situation that life might throw your way. That's an incredible burden to lay on yourself. This is the false need to try to answer why everything happens. And in Christian circles, this becomes incredibly dangerous when sometimes Christians start making up their reasons for why something bad has happened in somebody's life when they don't know the complexity and the nuance of their story and to reduce them to something trite. 
Fourth, the need, the false need to be there for everyone. To be the one everyone can rely on, the one who's going to help everyone. I'm going to fix all of your problems. Look, if you just confide only in me, I can look after it. This is a false need that will only lead to burnout. And lastly, and I know nobody would ever struggle with this, the false need of approval. This is the force in our lives that acts like quicksand. Because once you fall in quicksand, the more you struggle, the the more trouble you're in. The need for approval is the same thing. The more you long for and try to get approval from other people, inevitably you are going to lose all joy and peace in your life. So today, if the burden that you are carrying is associated with one of these needs, that's, and maybe that need is driving your behavior, it's driving your thinking, it's driving your agenda, then the gift of Advent is to remember you weren't supposed to live this way. You were never called to live this way. This is not God's intent for you. And living this way will steal your joy and steal your peace and probably burn you out at some point. Leaving us all to ask, if only there was a perfect one who controls all things and can help everyone and does not need approval and has all the answers that was available to us. If only. This is the Lord's gift to us. He is that person. And our job is to learn to walk hand in hand with the one who does all these things perfectly for us. So God gives us these burdens sometimes as a gift to remind us of our need for him and to call us to walk in right relationship with him. But Isaiah writes, the people walking in darkness, yes, they've seen a great light. God has turned on the lights for them. Now, I'm a deep sleeper. Always have been. I hope I always am. Uh, my family laughs at me that, you know, I might be sound asleep in bed. People will be in our bedroom talking away, having a long conversation. The lights will be on. I'm snoozing through. No problem. No problem. And I've always been this way. In fact, I can remember in high school, I'd wake up sometimes in the middle of the night having to go to the bathroom, and I couldn't find my way out of my room because I'd be half asleep. And I'd wake up, and I'd kind of walk to where I thought the door was, and I'd hit the wall, and then I'd be kind of walking along the wall looking for the light switch. And, you know, this is a time-sensitive matter. We need to get out of this bedroom. And so here we are, and now I'm just, when I finally find that switch, and I turn it on, and the lights come on. And I see where the door is. And I realize how far I walked blind in the dark trying to find my way. Isaiah says people were walking in darkness, stumbling and lost. And then God sends his son and it's like the lights get turned on. And we see everything clearly now. The darkness is crushed and defeated by the advent of the revelation of Jesus Christ the Son of God. But how can light be a gift? It didn't change their circumstances. Isaiah does not say that God came and airlifted them out of their horrible life. It does not say that a series of land rovers rolled in, picked them up and got them out of there. He didn't say that God increased their standard of living. They're living, walking the same road, living in the same house. They had the same family members and the same job. So how is light a gift? because it allows us to see what we could not see before. When God turns on the lights, we can see what we could not see before. Friends, when the light comes on, 
we can see God at work in our lives in ways that we could not see before. One of my many weaknesses is that I sometimes completely miss how God is currently working in my life in difficult seasons. A blindness to God's activities in the midst of my difficult circumstances. I so often miss it. I so often miss how he's answering my prayers and the gifts that he has sent to me all along the way to help me as I walk. What does this mean? 2020 refers to having perfect eyesight, not needing glasses. Hindsight is the moment, that moment after a crisis or a challenge, after the emotion, after the intensity has passed, when we can stop and look backwards and reassess where we've just come from the road that we have just walked. The idea being that sometimes in a moment of crisis or challenge, there's significant things that we become blind to and we cannot see. But then, we're there all along. And in hindsight, we see them. And maybe you've had those moments. You think about a difficult patch of life that you've had, and you look back on it now and you say, man, there was so much going on there at the time that I was not able to see in the moment. Meaning when this burden you are carrying passes, the situation resolves itself. We each get the joy of being able to stop and look and reflect on all that has happened. And when we do this, we see that God was working in ways we could not see at the moment. That some of the circumstances that at the time felt like a curse or at least a setback turn out to be blessings. The story that comes to mind is the story post-resurrection of the men leaving Jerusalem and going to the road, taking the road down to Emmaus. Jesus' followers had been following him. He's crucified, and they assume it's game over, so they're upset. And now they're returning to their normal lives, walking on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus comes and walks alongside them. And while Jesus is walking with them, they're complaining that God has let them down. He didn't do what he'd promised. I don't know what we're going to do now. And they're kind of walking on their way. And then a little bit later, a light comes on, and they realize Jesus had been with them all along the road. What if right now, as you're carrying your burden, God is walking with you, directing you, helping you, protecting you from things that you cannot see? And what if there's going to be a moment in a month or two months or a year where you can look back and see he was with me all along? The ability to suddenly realize God is with us is one of the most powerful gifts of prayer because it allows us to see what we could not see before. When we go into prayer, we are not accomplishing union with God. We already have that. As believers, God is living inside of us. And so one of the gifts of prayer is that when we meet in his presence, the lights get turned on and we get to see things that we could not see before. Maybe God had far, felt far away, and now you recognize he's here. Maybe you'd felt like you hadn't done enough to deserve God's presence, and then you get into his presence, and you realize it's a gift of mercy, not something that we earn. And in a moment of prayer, our perspective gets turned around, and we can see what before was, we were blind to. There's a lovely moment in Psalm 73 where the psalmist is complaining about how difficult his life is and how hard his circumstances are, and how evil people get everything that they want, and their life seems so easy. But then he has this moment where the lights come on, and at the very end of the psalm, he writes this, When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, 
I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Now, I can't call you that because that would be rude and wrong. But we can call ourselves that, can't we? In those moments where we recognize, God, I accused you of something that actually wasn't true. And he ends saying this, yet you are always with me. You hold me by your right hand. So there was a moment when the psalmist felt that God had completely abandoned him. And then at the end of the psalm, he says, now I look back and I see you were holding my hand the entire time. The entire time. Meaning the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, is not something we are waiting for. He is here. He has come. It's something to be realized and accepted and embraced. God has given himself to us. And as we carry heavy burdens, he gives us gifts along the way. One of the tensions that Jesus found in his ministry is people wanted him to take their problems away. Make it go away. Get rid of them. Whisk me away. Get me out of here. But Jesus did neither. He shows us that burdens are inevitable for those of us living on this side of eternity. He shows us how to weep. He shows us how to be righteously angry. He shows us how to position ourselves daily with the Lord to receive strength and patience and courage and peace. He shows us how to live in a fallen world, giving us the gifts that we need to carry the burdens that come with it. I love John's reflection on Jesus' life. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. Listen, the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. God meets us in our journey. Advent is the season where we find language for our experience of carrying burdens. Permission to grieve on this side of eternity as we carry heavy things. Permission to acknowledge that we live in a time of both hope and difficulty. Peace and joy and suffering. Love and frustration. We live with them both together. And I'm not here today to tell you how God is going to give you what you need or what that's going to look like. That's not my place. But my place is to echo to you the witness of God's people over thousands of years that he has committed himself to walk with you each step of the way and to provide light for the path that you are on. To honor the promises that he promises to give us everything we need for our season of difficult things. And I will be the first to admit that God sometimes seems to be taking his time, but he keeps his word. And that God is always faithful. And when his promises do come true, they will burst the banks of what you had imagined. Let me pray. Lord, It's difficult. And there are seasons that just feel too difficult to bear. And so in this seasons, we admit, God, we are sinful. We are in need of rescue. We have been prone to try to be you and take matters into our own hands. We are finite. We cannot do everything. And so we come to you today in a spirit of surrender and say, We will follow you. But we come with hands wide open asking for you to give the gifts 
that we need. And Lord, we pray for vision today that as the light comes on, that we can see all the things that you've provided to lighten the load along the way. And we say thank you for them. Whether they came in the timing that we wanted or in the form that we'd requested, we receive them today as gifts from you because you love us. And today, Lord, we pray for the circumstances that are reflected in our gathering both here and online and the many burdens that are in people's hearts and in their lives. And we pray, Lord, for you to have mercy on us, to be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, to be the God who meets us at our point of need. And as we do, as we receive, we will give thanks and glory to you. Amen.